Assalamu alaikum. It is Wednesday, the 22nd of June 2022. And in our broadcasts, Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number 327. And these days we've been looking at the words of uh, verse 102 of chapter 2 and this is the eighth broadcast in that uh, series. These uh, broadcasts are brought to you by Laser, Lahore MDS School for Education in religion which is a department of uh, Islam of Lahore also known as the Lahore India movement. The uh, Amdiya community was founded by Hazrat Mirza Ulam Ahmed Sahib whose teaching was that uh, although Muslims believe that after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, at least one more Prophet will come. This is incorrect because the Holy Quran says about uh, uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad that he is Khatmun Nabiyyi. And the Holy Prophet's explanation of that term was. There is no prophet after him. So now no prophet shall come, whether an old one or a new one or whatever. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Sahib further taught that he had appeared in, in accordance with the prophecy in Hadith of Mujaddid that uh, every so often God will send reformers to guide Muslims to the right path. But Hazrat Sahib explained that other sayings of the Holy Prophet, other ahadis speak of a Messiah and Mahdi. And the signs that are attributed to their appearance have been fulfilled in Hazrat Mirza 
غلام ہے مجدد سن چار دہم مسیح امام مہدی ماحول دیٹ از دیز ڈیزیگنیشن از ریفارم بٹ ہیز گاٹ ٹو ٹائٹنس that you are a heretic then this edict of heresy falls back upon the person who said it this is a very serious matter and we should avoid saying such things it's god it's for god to decide who's right and who's wrong on the day of judgment he hasn't appointed us as as a guardian and hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed also told that although others believe that some prophetic revelation has been missed out from the holy quran and some that is out of the holy quran has been abrogated or cancelled this is untrue because god says that he revealed the holy quran and he shall guard it so nothing could have been left out because allah was its guardian and it makes no sense to have a prophetic revelation which is part of the divine scripture but whose order has been cancelled. Unfortunately, this makes nonsense of our religion. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Sahib also taught that jihad is a fundamental duty of every Muslim. But he said we should take that definition of jihad which the holy prophet muhammad gave and not make up our own definition when returning from fighting the holy prophet at one time said that muslims are returning from jihad asghar the minor jihad to jihad akbar the major jihad and then went on to explain that the major jihad is jihad bin nafs struggling with your own self in yourself your desires your greed your anger and a thousand other such things qualities that we 
tend to disappear. So with that, let us turn to the Holy Quran. And as I've said, that uh, I shall, uh, because it's a long <clears throat> because it's a long verse, I won't recite all of it every time. So, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wa ma unzila and it was not revealed to the two angels in Babel or Babylon, Harut and Marut. And today we will deal with the words <coughs> Allah and uh, where are we? Yes, here we are. Allah and <coughs> Malakaini and Babel and Harut and Marut. Sorry, my glasses have got something on them and I can't read things. Anyway, so let's go to <clears throat> where are they? My notes. The first word there. Uh, is Allah and it simply means two and that's it. So we move on to the next word which is Malakain and uh, that has the root mean lam calf and uh, those three letters combined to make ten different words, ten derived formats as they are called. And together they occur in the Holy Quran 206 times. 86 times as uh, the noun Malak and 48 times as the noun Mulk and 44 times as the verb Malakat and 15 times as Malik and then other occurrences of ones uh, three or four times and so on. So This root 
stands for having power, authority, <clears throat> be able to control something, which used for uh, uh, it's applied to things that are needed to support other things. For example, life needs water and food. So it's used for water and food. And there, there is the saying in Arabic which says water malaka amrahu malaka amrahu that water straightens everything up which means that the person, the people who have water, you know, all their affairs are fine. Now this was 1500 years ago. But today, look at many countries which are fighting, sometimes physically, sometimes politically, for water. You have India and Pakistan. All the rivers in Pakistan, their sources are in India. And so after long negotiations, a treaty was signed by both countries dividing the water. Otherwise India could have built dams on all the rivers and stop Pakistan from getting any water. We have a similar situation between Israel and Jordan. Uh, it was bad enough for the Arabs previously, but since 1967, Israelis have moved to the river. They captured all the territory up to the river. So Jordan is across the river. And Israel can use that river water to grow crops, to uh, water its orchards, etc. So The expression Milakul Amr means something that straightens out a problem. In Milak, Milakan is the word used for um, mud. Why? Because in the days of old, people would take stones and things and uh, they would put them together straighten them out and then plaster the whole thing inside and out with mud 
and that will preserve the water. So that's why that word was used for that. Malaka Adina Yamlipuku is the expression used for flour. You know, when you mix flour, you make pastry or roti or, or something. You knead it well. You might have seen or you might do it yourself, actually. I don't know that uh, when uh, uh, dough is need, kneaded, kneaded this way, K-N, then every now and then the person kneading the dough, they stick their finger in it and push it to see uh, how soft it is, how hard it is. And when it's right for whatever you're making the dough for, and this is why uh, this expression is used for that. And as I said, it's used for uh, uh, honor, dignity, government, etc. But it's also used for God. You know, like Maliki Yomiti, Maliki Yomiti, Master Malik of the Day of Judgment, Day of Requital, whatever you want. Now you see, you can have master in two ways. You can have a master who uh, is harsh and uh, you know who's just waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can punish you. And our idea of God appears to be the same. But when God, in this instant anyway, when God says Malik of everything, what God means is that he has created laws for the universe to operate. And he makes sure that those laws operate properly. You know, there's no problem with these laws. And you can see, you know, there's a delicate balance of forces which keeps uh, the Earth, the Moon, the Sun and all the other planets in their orbits around the Sun. If you disturb that balance of forces, even slightly, tiny amount, the whole solar system may collapse. <clears throat> So God is master, God is Malik. Why? Because he's making sure that everything works properly. And it also means that, you know, he, he uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, is the being who reforms things when things go wrong so that the universe keep 
it operating as it does. There is one expression where uh, this is used, ma malakat imankum, which is used an ex- as an excuse for many people to uh, hold female slaves. But actually, something has just occurred to me that ma malakat imankum. Its translation is those whom your right hands possess. Now, why can't that apply to male slaves? After all, at the Holy Prophet's time, and even after that, you know, ladies used to have male slaves. So, if we take the traditional interpretation, would it be all right? for women to behave in the same way as people say that, you know, this is what we can have without marrying uh, the slave girl, we can have sexual intercourse with them and all this kind of thing. So these things are, because really what has happened is, that men have used or, 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 or misused such expressions to keep women down, to keep them under their thumb. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the commentaries of the Holy Quran and dictionaries and so on, they're all by men. And why would they? use an interpretation that gives women any rights. Anyway, this expression also means, it also applies to uh, abide, is meant people who are your juniors and uh, who have to follow your instruction, you know men or women who work in your home, your driver, your cook, they all sort of fall into this category. Your um, you know, people at the office, uh, they, if you have people at the office and you are the boss, then they also fall into uh, this uh, category. So, uh, in Surah Nisa, we have Al-Muqsanatu Minan Nisa Illa Ma Malakat Imanu. So, here, Muqsanat can be translated in uh, two ways. One is righteous women. So, the translation will be if, if good women, sometimes it's translated that, if good women they are unlawful for you, except for those who are your wives, who are in your nikah. And uh, an alternative translation and interpretation is put forward that Moksenat uh, actually means married women. So 
the translation will then be that uh, all married women are unlawful, that is unlawful to have sexual intercourse with them, except those whom your right hands possess. So what does that mean then? Well, let's look at the situation in Arabia at the time. Islam, they, I mean, you used to have slaves, men and women. We know Hazrat Balad Ta'ala was a slave and there were others. Um, now, Islam actually stopped people from uh, making new slaves and uh, it said that the only way you could sort of take people was if you captured them in battle. So remember at that time the concept of you know prisoner, prisoner of war camps and so on didn't exist. The early Muslim state didn't actually have a treasury. So how were you going to feed them and house them and so on and so on. You know, they used to be distributed amongst the people. And uh, what happened after Battle of Badr is, is, is instructive for us because the Holy Prophet said, okay, those of you who can afford to pay compensation, pay compensation <clears throat> and then you can go. And some people said, but you know, we can't pay compensation, we are poor. And the Holy Prophet said, okay, if you can read and write, take 10 Muslims, teach them to read and write, and as soon as they can, you're free to go. Yeah. Transfer of skills, it's called in modern terminology. So that left some people who were poor and who didn't have any skills. So the Holy Prophet said, okay, we release you, we free you, you can go anyway. So you see, most people were captured because armies would raid other, other countries and so on, and people they would capture, they would take back, and they would sell. And what reason was, you know, to make up for the expenses of the, of, of the war. Because you didn't have income tax and all these things on, uh, in those days for the public treasury. So, some women ran away from Makkah because they wanted to embrace Islam. And their husbands wouldn't agree to that. So they ran away. So what the rule was that your marriage was automatically dissolved and that was it. 
So what happens? This is what this verse is dealing with. That these so-called women with husbands, because they hadn't gone through any formal divorce, they're all unlawful for you, except those, as it said, that your right hands possess, that have come to you seeking sanctuary and all this sort of thing. So you were given permission to marry them. And this is what people forget. That uh, although you had slaves and so on, you had to marry them. You had to go through a nikah with them. So next word, which is two segments, the Babil. B is in or with. And of course, then the next is the name of a town. It's a proper noun. And uh, then we have Harut. That again is a name. And then next we have Va Marut. For this time we've got two segments Va, what I call the connecting word or the conjunction, Marut again. That's the name, the proper noun. Now about this verse, there are many fancy stories about angels in um, tied up in wells upside down and you know people would go to them and uh, they would uh, offer to teach them uh, magic and all this kind of thing and so on. What has happened is that uh, Jews believe these stories and when they became Muslims, they brought those stories with them into Islam. And this whole verse is like that. And uh, what they did was sort of said, oh, look, in our religion, it also says this. And those stories became a part of Islam. Um, but anyway, I hope I'll say more on this topic tomorrow. In the meantime, with the prayer that uh, Allah keeps the whole of humanity safe and sound and free from harm, I take my leave of you. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz, and goodbye.